Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. Heroes, this week we've got another adventure for you using the Captain My Captain RPG that I designed. Remember, if you're interested in this game, please head to bit.ly slash captainrpg, that's C-A-P-T-A-I-N-R-P-G, to sign up for a mailing list to express your interest. The only way I'm going to be able to publish it is if I find a publisher, and it'll be much easier to do if I can present them with a list of people who already want the game. Heroes, I hope you listen to a show like One Shot because you're interested in trying new games. Because I have an exciting announcement about a new project from me that just went to pre-order. Over the last year, I edited an anthology of over 40 micro-RPGs. Games that are around two pages long, all from some of my favorite designers in the world. From industry legends like Shanna Germain, Jason Morningstar, and Keith Baker, to one-shot personalities like Ali Grauer, Drew Merzieski, and Alex Roberts, to some of my favorite indie designers like Omari Akil, Ben Chong, and Janaya Kemper. Folks, I have not even scratched the surface on the exciting people that have got involved in this book. If you like the sort of games that we feature here on OneShot, and you want to play some with your group at home, but you don't want to go through the effort of reading a 200-page book, this is a wonderful place to start. I curated a collection of games with diverse genres and mechanics so you can get a full RPG experience while being able to hop from game to game easily. And I did it with some of the most talented people working today. If you're interested, you can head to bit.ly slash ultimate micro RPG and learn more or pre-order your own copy. Also, brace yourselves because I'm going to be featuring games from this collection on one shot in the summer. But because this is up for pre-order now, I wanted to tell everybody about it. I'm sure I'll talk your ears off about this collection later. But for the time being, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, we're back actually with the same party that we had last week. What's up? Just to remind everybody, (laughs) we got Mel D'Amato. Hey. We got Drew Merzieski. What's up? We got Allie Grauer. Hello. And we're going to be playing Captain My Captain again. So who wants to get us started off this time? New world, new captain, new assumptions can be made. Sure. Uh, We don't need to bring in any baggage. We don't need to. What trial has the captain faced do you feel you could have never endured? Oh. (sighs) It's a very world build heavy question if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sure Uh, is. That's why I'm trying to like, there's a lot of things to build in one question. I hate this. <laughs> you don't need to put a lot of pressure on it. You, making any decision. Like, I was, I, I walked into this wanting to make it a different genre other than like steampunk submarine. Uh-huh. And I, I kind of wanted to turn it into like some kind of silly steampunk Western where our ship is just something that crawls the desert. Sure. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. That rules. So I'm. So what kind of trial? I'm I'm noodling on right now is what kind of trial could this captain have possibly gone through in this spooky world? So like that was like that silence was me trying to build this in my head. Created an entire world. (laughs) Yes, I have an entire world. um, And now they're going to feed it to us. It's just like Wild Wild West. Uh, so we have, like a giant spider, scorpion, <laughs> scorpion. Right? Yeah, that, it was a scorpion. Well, no, it was a was, spider. It, it, it was, was a, a spider. Was I a just like the idea of a big scorpion. eighty foot no, spider. No, it's a scorpion now. Okay, good. Okay. It's a giant scorpion, um, and we man it 
and we command the West with it. All right, Great. let's focus on answering the question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I needed that background before I could decide on a trial. Okay. Obviously. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Whenever you're world building, and this is just some advice for me to everybody else, if you like the way I run games, you want to know how I do it, start with the 80-foot scorpion. Figure out where that mm-hmm. is in the world, and then work backwards from there. That's, That's amazing. It's exactly what I would do as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. All right. Um, they had to fight the stigma of being intelligent in a world where guns rule everything. The trial of being book smart instead of shooting a gun good this is interesting so in that this means the captain is not a violent person Mm. i think the captain is not capable of firing a gun themselves but they are capable of arming the right people interesting cool cool yeah so you when you look at the trial the trial is essentially the captain's entire life. Mm-hmm. You don't even know how they got where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how, how did they even gain this interest? How did they figure out how this machinery works? They must have traveled and learned so many things to build this and command this vessel. That's cool. I have feelings about it. What moment in your history with the captain do you constantly replay in your mind? What would you do differently now? The captain and I danced. Once, years ago now. It was a night of some revelry, but mostly it was focused on business. We were infiltrating a ball of the ruling party. We had inserted ourselves into the crowd, and for a time before the plan was to come to a head, we were supposed to act as normal party goers. And the captain asked for my hand. It was the first time I had ever worn fabric that fine. I sparkled under the lights of that chandelier, and I couldn't let myself enjoy that. The whole night, I kept reaching for my thigh. Because on my thigh was my sword. I needed to touch it to make sure it was there. To make sure that if we were discovered in this room of people that I hated more than anyone else in the world, that it would be with me. And there was a moment where the captain asked me to dance. And I almost let myself enjoy that. I looked into his eyes. And they were so sweet, and they sparkled in the light of those chandeliers. And he leaned in close to me, and I could feel my heart beat. I could feel myself tremor. And I know, I know now in the future, where things are so much more complicated, I know then that I could have kissed him. I tell myself... It would have made the plan more complicated. We would have been discovered. It would have added a complication that the captain didn't need in his life. But I also know in a deeper heart that it would have added a bit of sweetness that I miss. I dream about it often. 
Can James just tell us the rest of the story? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so at peace right now. That's not how the game works. (laughs) Um, James, have you considered reading audiobooks of romance novels? (laughs) Uh, uh, Hashtag hireable. (laughs) Probably. Since that mission, have you noticed any lingering glances from the captain? I have dissected every interaction that yes. we've had for lingering glances. I, When I see the captain and he doesn't know that I'm looking, I watch for wistfulness. I have eyed every person who has gone in and out of his quarters with an intense jealousy that feels hot to me as though I've swallowed a lit coal. And what did you see, though? Those times? When when you looked for wistfulness and I've seen 10,000 different things mm-hmm. in the same look. In one look, he loves me and has always loved me. And we both know and are content with the fact that we can never let that be known betwixt each other or to the world. And in the same look, I know that he hates me. He hates that he was ever that close to me. And in another, it's simply a glance between a superior officer and someone who works with them. Were you in love with the captain before you danced? Or did it happen then? Was that when lightning struck? My love for the captain has been part of the same slow dance that did start at that moment. I joined the captain's crew because I believe in his cause. I think what he is doing is just and right. And that dance changed me as a person. And I think it made me more human. It's not any average person off the street who commits themselves to this kind of life. Uh, A lot of the people that come here are scarred or, or even broken because they have no other place to go, no other life to live. The world won't allow them that peace. And I used to be like that. And then I danced with the captain. And I dined with the captain. And I fought beside the captain. I shared sweet memories with the captain throughout years of loyal service to him and his crew, and I lost something. I lost the shell that I was. I became more of a person. So even though I have grown more skilled in in who I am and what I do, I've also grown more vulnerable, and part of me hates that because it would be so much easier if I was dead. We have to turn this into a kissing story now. It's already a kissing (laughs) story, Mel. There hasn't been a kiss yet. Mm -hmm. There will be. There will be. Mock my word. (laughs) They muttered darkly. (laughs) What is this we are? The way the captain treats someone on this journey fills you with jealousy. Yes! Who is it? Well, so far, we have one identity of this crew. James has provided one of these people that is on this mission uh, of a greater whole. Yeah, once again, just like the previous game, we've been on lean times. 
the captain has come to us and told us there is a prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. A prize that could allow us to retire if we should desire. And we're part of a landing party, and that landing party believes in the captain. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to be, James, that I have seen lingering glances. And I have, so I think I started noticing it after that mission where you went side by side with the captain to this ball, this grand gala and danced and probably like fought your way out romantically. You know, it was very cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crashed through a window, you know, ripped the chandelier down and swung from it, the whole thing. Um, And after that mission, which I was not on, I have seen looks from you and from the captain, and I have been waiting for the moment that w- that he confirms that it's a real thing. I have a question, and feel free to tap the X card on this one. Yes. How long have you and the captain been married? <gasps> ah. Yes. <laughs> yes, James. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Okay. All right. <laughs> Repost. Okay. Uh, in a way, this is unfortunate because I wanted to answer questions about the world that we've established with a giant scorpion. <laughs> Characters are good too. But this is more. We'll this is more it. pressing. We'll no, no, no. I know. I know. Because I think this links up with the question of how long has the captain been doing this? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is a decade. Wow. I think we married to begin this quest. So you married before he built this behemoth? He was building it. Were you, were you like taken with his smarts? and? We needed each other. So was it a marriage of love? I didn't say that. You did not say that, though. Right. Did it start with love or practicality, then? Somewhere in between. There is a series of emotions that are connected to this overarching feeling and sense that the world is not right Mm. and that someone somewhere must have the power to make it right again. And I didn't think it was going to be him until I saw what he was building until I learned how smart he was and how brilliant the ideas he had were. And I thought if he has somebody to make sure that nobody looks too closely at him, he can finish building it. And not only can he finish building it, he can fill it with people who believe the same things we do, and we can make that difference. So we married. It's extremely dope. Folks, those are the first two questions. <laughs> the three. We the first three. Buckle up. Yeah. You know that a popular rumor about the captain is false. Why do you keep it going? Damn. <sighs> There is a rumor amongst the crew. The captain is not as smart as everyone takes him to be. That it's really his wife is the one who built this thing. She's the the brains behind the operation. She's always been the brains behind this operation. The captain's just a puppet. I know the truth. Captain's a smart man. Captain is dedicated and loyal and uh, brilliant. He's a genius, really. But his wife, she's a peach. 
and I've always thought so. And the more that she can look better on this crew, the more loyalty that go behind her. I think she'd like that a lot. So are you trying to make the captain expendable? Yes. I think I'm trying to make the captain less than what his legend has been uh, saying. Is it because you have a crush on his wife? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> What's subtext? <laughs> How does subtext work? There is only text. <laughs> so do you believe that the captain is necessary anymore? Do you think all the things that he needed to build have been built? That's the fear. The fear is that there is more. <sighs> that he does have more. That there's more in him to give to us so we can defeat the ruling party, I guess. Because the more he has to give to the world, the longer it will take for you to sweep in and be the person that uh, you want to be. Yeah. Wow. 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 Hey, wow. Wow. Who dog it? What do you admire in the captain that you also fear may one day destroy them? I admire their tenacity to build monstrosities like this that should not exist. And I fear that the the width and breadth of the things that he wants to build could drive him to an exhaustion that would fall him. I have a question. Mm. Is this the only one? This giant mechanical monstrosity that the captain has made? Is it the only one? In the world? No. I think he he had um, an initial model that he built that was far smaller. Um, the The ship that we're on now is his, is generally considered his piece de resistance, but he is looking for the next big thing he's been drawing up plans for over a year for the next thing he wants to build i think and i think that the first maybe one or two iterations that he built have been stolen the what's one of the things that you said that that struck me is that these are monstrosities that should not exist that i i feel like that's the opinion of people who don't understand the engineering that he does Okay, okay, so there's nothing mystical or eldritch about it. No, no, I'm just saying that, that there's a God-fearing people who sees something they can't explain and assume that it's some kind of Western witchcraft. Witchcraft, yeah. So are you one of those people? Um, I think it's something I can't explain, but I, I'm probably, I'm, I'm someone on the crew that is actively wowed by the whole thing. Terrified to be on this giant moving scorpion, mm -hmm. but um, fascinated by it. And like the, the, the driving factor for my person is the drive to see change. Are you an engineer? Um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I don't have a history of being learned, but I know enough about general machinery levers and pulleys and engines to be able to assist and be taught on this machine how to maintenance it and take care of it so although you don't have formal schooling you have enough knowledge that you understand the depth at which the captain's mind has delved mm -hmm. 
you understand exactly how difficult the problems that he has solved are. C- can you understand his work? Uh, or like you get, you get a piece and that's about all that you can, like you can build and maintain a leg, but if you were to explain the whole thing, it wouldn't. It would be difficult. There are inner workings that I wouldn't be able to explain, but I can come at a small piece of it, fix it, put it back together. You've said the captain has been working on something for a year. Mm. Uh, This is a bit of a leading question, but do you feel that the prize that we're after is the last piece of that puzzle? It could be. I think it's something that would complete his latest invention, but I'm not entirely sure what that is. I'll I'll let you guys help me define that. Radical. Cool. (laughs) The captain once summoned you to their quarters. My gosh. How did that... Sorry. (laughs) How did that encounter change you? Woof. Is this before or after the dance? It must be after the dance. It must be. I think when I was summoned to the captain's quarters, it changed me because it answered the question that I was asking. And I still dwell on that moment because I think if I had kissed the captain then, it would have been simpler. But now, after the captain summoned me to his quarters and made his intentions known and received an answer from me of what my desires are, there's a truth now that stands between us. There is a line in the sand, and we have to decide whether or not we want to cross it. I am someone who has done a lot to survive in life and most of the decisions that i made were to keep the machine running keep my heart beating get me to see the next sunrise there was never a sunset that i saw in the future there was never an ending or or a reason to do this beyond mere living and with love as a potential in my future, all we have to do is let ourselves. That's it. Would an oath be broken? Maybe. The captain has been with his wife for a long time, and everyone knows that it was a relationship of convenience. He had the mind to build the machines, and she had the wealth to get the materials, and they both had a hatred for the ruling party. That's where it started. Of course, I've seen them together. I've been with this crew for years. I know that the captain, at least for a time, had an affection for his wife, and I know that she had an affection for him. But they've taken other lovers before. Everyone knows that. It's not as though there is a loyalty to them, but something about this, something about him and me feels different. And it is a heavy difference that weighs over us like an ocean crushing us down. Sometimes I feel like if I want to breathe again, I have to cross that line. Did the captain tell you why he took you instead of his wife? He didn't need to. It was obvious. They're partners. They don't love each other. 
and maybe they feel love for one another. Maybe they feel a loyalty to one another. But they don't have anything in common. Did you know there was a rift between them before that dance? Like, were were you observant enough? You're saying you did say you you didn't know you loved the captain until that. No, night. I wasn't looking for it. It yeah. wasn't important. It wasn't a part of my life until then. And I can tell you that absolutely this character in their mind probably exaggerates some things to make themselves more comfortable. Mm-hmm. 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 But there are rumors that circulate nonetheless. There, there are small pieces of evidence that if you are looking for them, you can find them. The captain has a weakness that they hide from the crew. Why do you keep their secret? A weakness. In evaluating, we already mentioned one weakness, that he is unable to lift a weapon against someone else, which is why he created this boat to hire the right people, this scorpion. I don't know. The thing that's coming to mind is when you started with the giant scorpion, Mel, (laughs) I had immediate thoughts about the rest of the world which we haven't addressed yet Mm -hmm. um so i'm like over here sweating waiting to talk about it um so my response to this question is looped into what i've put in my brain to fill in those gaps do it okay he built a giant scorpion not for fun not because he could not just because he's a genius but because there are kaiju that we have to fight. Controlled by the ruling party. Correct. How do they control the kaiju? Exactly. Oh. So the people, capital P, are held under the thumb of the ruling class with the Im- the idea, like you said, a desert, right, Mal? You mm-hmm. said like Wild West spooky desert, mm-hmm. like big canyons and mountains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that these kaiju, these monsters roam or burrow, or whatever, and that they are out there keeping the people in line under the thumb of the ruling class who enjoy the luxury of being on top of this situation, This where if they didn't have that control, that modicum of control, they would also be at risk from these monstrous attacks, right? So our captain built these creations to potentially arm the people against these monsters Mm -hmm. to show people that with the like you said he can't lift a a gun himself but if he can arm the right people that change can happen and that we can stop this from ever happening to anyone again if we just fight hard enough or fight smart enough so i think the captain's weakness that i'm hiding from everyone else is that he gave them the key to controlling the monsters. Wow. Dang. So it used to be that the world was just at the mercy of these creatures. Yes. He developed the way to control them. Yes. And the people that he turned it over to just used that to oppress people. Yep. Brutal. So good. Dang. So that this since Mel talked about the the machine and it being like kind of an unthinkable thing, uh, an unnatural thing, like it strayed into like a kind of cosmic horror territory for me. Mm. But now that I know that there are big monsters out there, 
I kind of feel like that might be where we're at. Yeah. Is that these are unthinkable terrors that have emerged and it's a desert. Yeah. Because they drank the dang ocean. They drank the water. Oh. Yes. Yes, James. Yes. So we we catch the kaiju and process them to keep villages with water so people can survive. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm also seeing I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of like these like civilization is built into the cliff sides of these canyons. Mm-hmm. We're like right. on top of them. Yeah. 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 Oh, these so this scorpion holds down these kaiju with its claws. Its tail comes out and yes! sucks the water back out of these oh, monsters. Yeah. Brutal. Fury Road style. Living for it. Radical. Radical. It's a great setting. Okay, good. I was really nervous you guys wouldn't like it. I'm so oh, glad. Oh, I love this. My turn. What is something you have seen the captain do that you know should be impossible? We broke down. In the middle of a kaiju fight. We pinned the sucker down. Tail was in it. We were golden. And the whole machine shut down. And we all knew that was it. That was it. That was the end. Because when these things go down, they make a sound. And that sound attracts others. Oof call for help and we knew that if we couldn't get it back running we were done we were done for i saw the captain go downstairs into the engine room and he just looked at it just looked at it and he tapped one pipe and the whole thing came back to life it's the darnest thing. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. It's impossible. I don't think I've ever told anyone that I, I think the captain's a witch. Hell yeah. That's just great. <clears throat> now I can see all of us as anime characters. <laughs> and <laughs> it all feels very um, Gurren Lagan. Yeah, yeah I was thinking Darling in the Franks, too. And then there's like this weird Herbert West reanimator vibe yeah. to it. Uh-huh. It's real good. Very road thing to it. It's real good. Oof. We're giving you aesthetic. We're giving you soundtrack. We're giving you costume change. Which of the captain's orders do you most regret following? I think I aided him in the study of one of the kaiju. We'll say one of the smaller kaiju. But it was after he'd handed over the keys which no one really knows. Um, but I think he's looking for a way to shut it off so that the, pow- the power to control them is gone. And when we looked at this animal, we figured out that they have cohesive thought processes that without the control that's happening to them right now, they're like thinking and present beings and every time we kill one now i know that it had thoughts and feelings and i regret knowing that and i can't tell anyone else because i don't want to burden them with that oh we're not in lovecraft country 
this is Miyazaki to friend. Yeah. 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 And I cannot stress this enough. Ha. Oh, these are nature spirits. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes, 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 yes. This is good. Hey, Heroes, it's James, your Game Master. Welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I wanted to take some time to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for contributing to our emergency work relief safety net that we set up for one-shot personalities. In case you missed last week's episode, thanks to the coronavirus crisis, some one-shot performers lost their work. Thankfully, the one-shot community stepped in to help. Because of all of you, we managed to raise over $8,000 to dole out to various one-shot personalities who have been put in tough circumstances. That money is going to keep people in their homes, give them access to food and medicine and other necessary things during this period of aggressive social distancing. When you put a lot of your time and effort into creating art, you don't always reap financial rewards for that. And when emergency situations hit, that can make it extremely difficult. But thanks to you, my one-shot heroes, we've bought these people little time. As thanks, we ran a couple different promotions, including me revealing some of my for real secret crushes. But the big draw is we released a ton of micro RPGs that were designed by hosts on the network. Uh, Some of those people actually contributed micro RPGs to my new collection of micro RPGs. So if you want to get a sense for their style, please head over to bit.ly slash OSN safety net and make a donation. Any donation gets you access to our folder full of micro games. Thank you again so much for helping my friends. While we're thanking people, we should thank our backers on Patreon. The one-shot Patreon helps us produce programs like the one you're listening to right now. We're going to be individually thanking Patreon backers on this feed again very soon. So if you would like to hear your voice on air, head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to be a contributor. Thanks to everyone who signed up already and those of you who are going to sign up soon. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Okay, so you know that these are thinking and feeling complex beings. Mm -hmm. Driven to madness by whoever holds the keys. You also, I guess I have a question, Did was the world destroyed by the ruling party or by the kaiju? I think that something, some kind of natural disaster happened that set off the initial attack. Um, the captain found out what it was and figured out that it could be controlled and reported it because he was hired by that ruling party to figure out what was happening and to stop it. I think that he managed to, being a scientist, went too far, figured out that it could be used and presented all of his findings and they decided to use it to their advantage. And I think they, they probably tried to kill him so that no one else could find out. When you realized that these were thinking creatures, how, how did that happen? Did it say something to you? 
Uh, I think it, it was in the process of dying. We were trying to examine it before it totally passed, and he removed something that looked foreign or didn't exactly mesh with the biology of the kaiju, and it whispered, kill me. What did the captain do? Oh, God. The captain patted it on the head and said, soon. He's a scientist. Damn. Him dark. Yeah. The captain keeps an oath, even in the face of outrageous fortune. What cherished thing has this cost them? The captain is married. That's it. I got no questions, so that's that's good. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, I mean, the state the statement stands. The defense rests, right? So I think to elaborate further, because I did say that the captain and his wife have taken other lovers. It's one thing to find another partner. It's another thing to be in love with someone. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's the story. Can't believe I got those three questions in a row. Oh my gosh. Is this game magic, James? You have to tell us if it's magic. I don't I, I can can't confirm or deny. Okay. What gift do you hope to receive from the captain? But fear in your secret heart that you will never deserve. Damn. <laughs> um <laughs> Drew, shut up. <laughs> it's got to be that running through the the things that she might want, and I think that it has to be that that he's the one to come to her and say, we don't love each other, do we? Because she can't say it. She would kill for him. She has killed for him, right? Absolutely. Because he can't, he, he won't defend himself. We have to do this for him. Um, and he is brilliant, and he is the only one who knows how any of this works at its core. And if if something happens to him, none of us are getting out of this. So I can't be the one to go to him and say, we don't love each other, do we? I can't do that. Even if I think it's true. Why not? Are you afraid of breaking his stride on his work? Yeah. Or is there something deeper? Something that binds you? Are you half kaiju? <laughs> That's that's season two of the anime. Yeah. Um, I think because deep down, I think because deep down, she's not in love with him, but she does love him. And even if we weren't married anymore, that doesn't have any bearing on the fate of the world. Yeah. That's why I'm curious about this. Why but does I, it need to be him? Because I promised it would never be me. Ooh, ooh. I swore when we first came together on this plan and as as a couple, because I think I see a scene where he is wavering about the weight of his decisions and the the massive scale of destruction he's caused through yeah. his actions and that he is floundering. And I can see that if he could just focus and snap out of it, that there's a way forward, but he's not seeing that. And so I think at this stage, I'm the one who says, marry me, 
we will do this together. You will never not have the support you need. And I will never leave you unless you want me to. So you're afraid that you don't deserve this, which means or implies to me that the marriage itself has become a burden or an anguish to you. Yeah. Why is that? Because I'm not just his defender. I'm not just his bodyguard. I'm not just the 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 partner of the plan, the second in command. I'm his wife. And that's what the crew sees, that I'm his wife. Mm. That that's the captain's wife. She's second in command, but that comes after she's yeah. his wife. Radical. What did the captain tell you that still fills you with hope? I love her, but I'm not in love with her. He said that to you? He said that to me. When? When did he say that? <laughs> you are the captain's like second in command, right? Yeah. I am his liaison to the crew. By all intents and purposes... I'm the captain. <laughs> Great. But that's not the way the crew sees it. In they a were, different, realer way. In a realer way. <laughs> that's not the way the crew sees it, though. The captain is the captain. <laughs> the captain in a day-to-day. -day. In the day-to-day -day real way that this works, the captain is the captain. The crew sees it that way. I'm his liaison with, with the crew. So I spend a lot of time with the captain. I think we're old friends from years and years and years ago. And he confides in me in things. And it was recently. We'd had a little too much to drink. He says that the, the rocking of the scorpion makes him sick sometimes. So he has a special brew that he drinks that keeps him equal. And we were out on the balcony on the top of the scorpion, watching the stars as they went by, seeing the glow of the kaiju in the distance. And he leaned over and he told me, I'm not in love with her anymore. And that filled me with hope that maybe there's a chance. Not that she looked my way or anything, but there's a chance. Does the captain know about you and your feelings? No. He doesn't know. Does she? No. Not even an inkling. I don't know. Maybe she does. Mm -hmm. I've never said anything. But do you treat her with favor? Absolutely. Mm. She's also second in command. She's also yeah. second in command. I get that from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. mm. I have inklings about a lot of people's feelings, but I don't know for sure. What broken thing has the captain made whole? Did it deserve their pity? Ooh. Me. Oh. I think I was a person in one of the towns that had missing limbs, and the captain created parts that would make me functional and because of those parts i'm one of the strongest people on board and that means i'm capable of working on the ship i have to know are these robot parts or kaiju parts oh my gosh oh my goodness Fuck. like a 50 50 uh, I, I was just gonna say i i think that what people see is an arm made of metal but inside of that, they don't know that it's parts of a kaiju working. Now you're connected to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's part of me. 
like underneath all of the metal, there's like the working tendons and muscles and parts of a kaiju. And if he can do that with you, what does he do with the scorpion? scorpion. Do I know? Do you know? <laughs> that's a good question. That That's a, probably a darker side of him that perhaps you you could make the decision to either navigate away from and say, I don't see this, I don't know this. Because I think if he's going to be operating on people and replacing their limbs by himself, you know what I mean? Somebody mm-hmm. else, someone else knows that that's what's going on there. There could have... I mean, there could be a doctor on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably got like a special team. Yeah, maybe that knows about it. Okay, yeah. Then I probably don't know. I mean, he's essentially leading a rebellion, whether he knows he's the leader of it or not. Yes. Um. So there are probably very talented people that flock to him. Yeah. So there's cool. probably a very talented doctor on board. <sighs> okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't uh, answer a very special part of that. Did it deserve their pity? Did I deserve the pity of the doctor? Honestly, I don't think I did, personally. But as someone who has dedicated their lives now to the mission of the captain, the captain saw me as a worthy individual. But do you see yourself as a worthy individual? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sad one. I would like to see you answer this oh, question. Oh, son of a... All right. And if you don't want to answer it, then you can pass it on to other people. And if nobody does, then we just take it away. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's appropriate for my character. I think it could be appropriate for... Yeah, I don't... Mm. You don't have to... Well... Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about kombucha girl? Yeah. yeah. No. No. Well... <laughs> Bless her. Um. I don't know. Hey, you can, if if you it's can it too up. difficult, you can pass it on to Drew. Or toss it. It's tough, right? It's tough when we have roles that are this defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got into it super heavy with the details. That's one of the things that I like about playing this game or For the Queen, honestly, twice in a row. Like, Oh, yeah, because I guess you like adjust to it and then your brain goes, all right, cool, this thing. I've seen the captain work on the interworkings of the ship. I've seen the heart of the mechanical scorpion. I've seen him connect with it and commune with it and have it do his bidding. What's the question? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What have you seen the captain do that makes you feel like you don't deserve to be a part of their crew? I've seen the monstrosity that this thing really is. And it shook me. It shook my belief in this cause and what the captain is doing. And it makes me feel like I don't deserve to be on this crew. Not because I feel like I'm not worthy of it, but maybe I don't want to be a part of what's happening here. So what you saw was definitive proof that he repurposed a living being into a walking machine. Yep. Into a weapon. And this isn't even the first time that he's done that. Nobody knows that but Allie. Uh, But you're a part of this crew. I am. Is that because of the ruling party? Yes. I think that's a part of, I don't like the ruling party. And that's also for the captain's wife. So the ruling party needs to go down. She obviously doesn't know. She can't know. She needs to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so you're a part of this anyway. That is there a part of you that just wishes you were somewhere else and somebody on a big scorpion came and saved you? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that's what he thinks about a lot is that there are people that need them. When did you join? Almost at the very beginning. My town was destroyed. And I lost everything. And I was waiting to die. We all were. And at the last second, the scorpion showed up and saved us all. And the captain in every town that, that he saves, he takes one person. Just one. Just one. Just one to be a part of the crew. And I was chosen. Were you chosen? Mm. Part of me thinks you fought for it. I did. I absolutely did. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge thing. There's a huge, like, proving to see who gets to go on, on the scorpion. And I won it. Does the captain control that choosing? Or do you think it's more of the will say capable manager's job to choose who's on the boat. Oh yeah. I don't know. Is it, Allie? I was thinking that like you said you were waiting to die and I was picturing the sun beating down and like this shadow suddenly steps over you and you blink up into the shadow and then this woman with this gloved hand and like this desert wrap around her head reaches down and pulls you up out of the dirt and puts you on the, the scorpion. But yes, I think I watched the choosing uh took ample notes um you know i think what happens is when we've saved a town someone has to be put in charge to put it back together and so i think that's one of the things that i do is i make sure that we don't just leave the town mm -hmm. we set them up to do well and to do better and to take care of each other and to have things in place so that they you know can tell when a kaiju is coming you know, or whatever, that they can build safety things for for themselves and for the rest of the town. And I think that during this proving, um, I was picking out who was going to be left in charge of the town, but that when you came out on top of the fights, I had to shift all that around again because you needed to come on the scorpion with us. Yeah. And I didn't think about it ever again. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I think he was the one that he didn't have anything left to live for, so he fought with abandon. So you wanted to give him a crew to. Live oh, you mean for. like in first night? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. When Lancelot too. has literally nothing left to lose. Yeah. Yup. Okay. Or did you have a question that you're no, about to no. I mean, didn't you? you so you, you pulled that you one, pulled and then I passed it to Drew. Anything. Oh, that's right. You Do you want to pull another one and try to answer it? Because sure. you didn't, sure. you didn't answer anything. Okay, this is too on the nose. The captain once professed a love to you. What was it? Wow! So he's it told you. Night. It was the night he called me to his quarters, and, he told and you. we made our desires known. And then what? <laughs> promise, promise. He's not going to do is anything. This a kiss? No. <sighs> We didn't kiss. Why not? Because the captain keeps an oath in the face of outrageous fortune, and it has cost him something cherished. And we're both keeping that oath. Dang. 
in, I don't know what it was that caused the captain to call me to his quarters that night. I I try to think about it a lot. <laughs> That's been a big part of my relationship with the captain is trying to carefully dissect the interactions that we've had to try and understand them, to get a clear answer for why things happen. When he called me to his quarters, everything was pulled out into the open. I walked into the room. He set down his plans. He stood up and our eyes met and I saw desire in his eyes and he saw desire in mine. It filled the room. The machine moves, it clanks, it rattles, it stomps and whines. But there was silence there in that room. We could hear each other's hearts beating. We could hear each other breathing. We knew. And then he drew closer to me. And I drew close to him. And for a brief, brief moment, it was another step in that dance that we never got to finish all those years ago. We were close to one another. And behind that hungry desire, my sorrow touched his sorrow. Because I also knew that the captain couldn't betray his marriage. That being with me would. All the other dalliances that both he and his wife have had over the years would not be a betrayal, but this would. And he could not move in that. The love that he professed to me was deep and true. The truest, sweetest kind of love. A thing that is too beautiful for this parched world. It's fitting that it shouldn't exist. Not to its full bore. So it sits there between us. This unhatched egg. Life stirs inside it. But the captain must keep his oath. And I must help him keep it. I have a question. Yes, please. What do you do on this ship? <laughs> <laughs> what exactly do you what do What exactly here? is your job on the Scorpion? I'm a soldier. That's what I thought. I fight. So you report to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I just <laughs> wanted to confirm. I wanted you to confirm it. Mm -hmm. The captain once lied to you. <laughs> how <laughs> how have you justified their deceit? Mm. We had just taken down a massive kaiju and returned water and irrigation back to a whole canyon full of people liberating them from under the thumb of the ruling class and providing them with uh, instruction and supplies and designs for them to defend themselves in the future. And they celebrated with us and we celebrated with them. And the stars came out over 
the canopy above the canyon. And fires were lit and dancing was had and merriment was had. Basically, it was the Ewok celebration. It was the Ewok celebration from Endor. Uh, but can't desert. It was a de- instead of a deciduous forest. It was a desert. Still bears. Um, oh, did I mention that we're all little bear people? We're all bear people <laughs> with weird human teeth. <laughs> oh God, not the teeth. Uh, and the celebration went on all night long. Um, at some point, having celebrated too much, um, I encountered my husband either back in his lab or back in his uh, study or something working when everyone else was celebrating. And I think we had a massive argument while no one else was around about his guilt, about his concentration on the mission, about his inability to overcome certain obstacles that he's placed on himself when everyone else sees no fault with him and loves him and would follow him till the ends of the earth and they intend to. And in this argument, things were said among them to defend himself from, I don't know, censure, I guess. He said something to the point of, you don't really know what it's like for me to carry this guilt. When in reality, I'm the only person who does. Uh, And, In response to that hurt, I said, uh, I called to attention the dalliances. And I said, I swore never to leave you, but you swore to be honest with me. Do you love someone other than me? Do you love someone else? Don't think I haven't noticed. And at this, the argument dissolved, and he took my hand and held it and looked into my eyes and he told me, no, I don't love anyone else. I have kept my oath. And I did not believe him, but I let it lie because I was very drunk and I did not want to have the conversation anymore. And I left the room. Wild that these two won't let each other be happy. Which is why, which is around the time that I then started clocking glances mm-hmm. and piecing together um, God, do that, you that thread. think that you won't let each other be happy because you both earnestly feel that you don't deserve to be happy? I mean, mm, that's interesting. Because both of you have firmly committed not to break this bond, which is, and it's not even break the bond. Like, yeah. change the wording around what your relationship is. Mm-hmm. And it keeps you in misery. Mm-hmm. And neither one of you will budge. Yeah. I definitely think that he doesn't think he deserves to be happy because of what he's done. And that's why he works so hard. And I think, mm, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't know. Because I think if I thought I deserved to be happy, I would have done it. Yeah. I, I have a leading question. Okay. It's a bit of a leading question. Okay. It's okay to just veto it or whatever. But is your marriage the magical bond that allows him to work on the kaiju? I've been suspecting that too. Like there's some... Like that by by creating this this oath between us. 
it somehow gives him this power. Gives him to, the power to like to funnel his brilliance into, into kaiju. And are can, you half kaiju? <laughs> now we said it was season that's two. two. That's two, Mal. That's season two. That's strike two. Because um. <laughs> if not at this point, I feel like you guys would have just gone your separate ways. Also, that's what we call seasons on this show: strikes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. strike two. Um. But it's okay. You can no, no, I, I think that's fair. I think canon, canon, it's canon. I we, think we, that I think that. Hmm. What if he doesn't know that? Well, then why is he keeping the oath? If he doesn't know, why would he be keeping the oath? Hmm. He has to know. Is it just because? <laughs> what if you don't know, and he does, and that's why he hasn't broken it yet? You haven't broken and it. And since because... the word, I haven't, bro- I've said already that I haven't broken it yet because mm-hmm. the wording that we used was, I will never leave you unless you ask me to. Yeah. And you, you just said moments ago that he wouldn't lie to you. And he has. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that the oath is broken? <sighs> or if, it, if that, if that's what the wording of the oath is. Or perhaps weakened. That's really interesting. Because then that that and that this is what did you call it the other day, James, when we were talking about other stuff, fairy bullshit? Yeah, I, probably that sounds like a thing I would say. Uh, that that if this is a magical oath that we've both taken in order to give him the power to funnel his brilliance into fighting and combating the kaiju and bringing order back to the world, right? Mm-hmm. That that part of that oath is that he won't lie, and that I won't leave unless he asks me to. And since he hasn't asked me to leave, I can't leave. And since he's lied, that the the bond has been weakened. Yeah. And if that other shoe drops. that That's why he can't break that with you. Okay. That's why he can't cross that line with you. I mean, here's the thing, guys. The world already ended once. Yeah. We, we don't have that much left. We're, we're old left. What weakness did the captain teach you to break? Like a weakness in myself? It's pretty ambiguous. I mean, I've already spoken on the fact that the captain essentially saved me from languishing Yeah, as an individual unable to join a community that probably isn't accessible to people with disabilities. Being out in the wilds, a, a world torn asunder. Scorpions, big metal scorpions mm-hmm. are notoriously not ADA accessible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and that goes that goes to learning disabilities they're not accommodating that's everything i think that my weakness was my inability to see worth in myself and my refusal to increase my value he brought me on board and decidedly sat me down taught me how to work machinery until I stopped saying, I can't do this. Why are you showing me this? Who am I to learn this amazing thing from you? He saw the worth and gave me those limbs, and those were my prize for finally building a respect for myself and promising myself to the scorpion. Are you his heir? Great question. Is he grooming you? To yeah. take Perhaps, over? maybe. Yeah, I mean, he let me in on that very intimate surgical procedure to, like, pick apart a kaiju. Um, 
I also know that my limbs aren't normal. Yeah, maybe I was I was orphaned by an attack and he saw value in me and, and my my personal strength that could be brought forward and he he groomed me to be an heir that never came from a somewhat loveless marriage. Do you think that your inability to know the whole of this machine is psychological? Absolutely. 100%. I think they they are fully capable, but their their own emotions are holding them back from trusting themselves with the responsibility of the scorpion. The captain once spared you a punishment that would have been expected for any other member of the crew. Mm-hmm. Why? We already know why. <laughs> <laughs> the question is what did I do? Yeah. Perhaps you were insolent prior, like after the dance, but before he called you into his cabin because you were bitter about not having affection. It could be. I, I was wondering if it might be something larger, something that would really, really be noticeable. I kind of think it would be an act of mercy. I was thinking that too. Yeah. And I don't know if that's to a member of the ruling party or to a kaiju. It might have been a kaiju and you might have gotten too close to a secret. I think, there because we mentioned there are smaller ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are beasts that are man-sized beasts that sort of roam the wastes and are attached to these larger kaiju. I think that's why we need soldiers on these scorpion. Uh, on the scorpion is while we fight the large beast with the machine, soldiers have to stand firm in the halls and protect the core so that uh, the pilots can continue their work. And I am a talented and brutal fighter. That's I, I have been with this crew for an extremely long time, and I have cut down men and monsters with my blade. Too many to count now. I was alone. I was alone holding a corridor because other people were required somewhere else, somewhere more important. But if we lost this corridor, there's a chance that the ship would be swarmed. So I sent the others away as I began the longest and most brutal trial of my entire career. And I cut them down left and right as they came. And there was a moment at our point of victory when the kaiju let out its death rattle. At that moment in every fight, all of the smaller beasts drop with the larger one as we start pumping out the water. And in that moment, This one in front of me didn't die. I saw the violence drain from it. I am a person accustomed to battle and and warfare. I know what a bloodthirsty thing looks like. And I I know what someone looks like when they would never commit an act of violence by their own hand. Because I have looked into those eyes longingly for years. 
so I stayed my blade. And someone saw me. The creature skittered off into the desert. We didn't find it. But people knew that I made this misstep. There is a punishment for that, and it's severe. I think you have to be kicked off the crew. Maybe it's not a violent thing. Maybe they don't maroon you in the desert. Maybe they just drop you off the next place being like, you did your service, but you're a liability now. Mm -hmm. And you were putting forth those orders, Allie, Mm -hmm. and the captain intervened. I don't know what the official story is. I I don't know if we lied and said that that person, what that person saw was not what actually happened. If I was hypnotized and against my will, I stayed my blade. But whatever happened, I didn't get sent off the ship. You have been told by a fellow crew member that you would make a good captain. Why has this stuck with you? Well... After the last battle, I think Drew told me this. It wasn't the first time I've had someone say it casually, but no one's ever meant it in a way that indicated that they thought maybe the captain shouldn't be the captain anymore. It's always just been like a compliment, you know, something you say after the battle and after you've done very, very well and everyone saw you do very, very well. But when Drew said it, It meant something else. And even though I shrugged it off, let it roll off of me and disappear, the the sensation of those words, the meaning behind them has dogged my steps since that last battle. Because if one person says it that way and means it, someone else does too. And that could spell mutiny regardless of whether I even think I would be a good captain. And I think the bottom line for me is that I could never be the captain the way the captain is because he's the genius. Without him, we wouldn't even be doing this. So it's not really a matter of, you know, who's driving. He has to drive. But the implication that I should be fully in charge is dangerous, whether or not I agree with it. So I think since that last battle, I've been haunted by the words and the meaning behind them from this particular person, worrying about how many other people feel the same way and worrying about how I feel about it. I don't have any further questions on that. (laughs) This is a final question. The captain strides into the gates of hell. How long do you wait for them to return? I'm going to defer my answer. Until someone answers. Until Ali's character answers. By gates of hell, we mean he walks into a kaiju, right? That he walks into the open jaws, the open gaping maw of this creature. Or a a den of some Convinced that he can turn it off. Or like a big kaiju, like like a king kaiju. Yeah, this is clearly like a climactic action. And it's something that I think he believes he has to do. Yeah. He's like, I know how to fix it now. I have to do this. And there he goes, but none of us know what we're supposed to do in the meantime. I don't know. I mean, I think in the way that we've built this story so far, 
it kind of depends on whether he does it or not. Does the thing he wants to do succeed? But there might be other needs for the ship. If it truly disconnects the ruling party from their ability to control the kaiju, that still leaves the kaiju who drank the oceans running around. No, you're right. I'm more... Okay, so I I see it as like the climax of this battle, this Mm -hmm. perfectly enormous battle that we're having against multiple kaiju of different sizes. And there's a king kaiju. There's a really, really big one. And he sees the opportunity and he tells us, I know what to do now. I can fix this. I can finally, finally fix this. And off he goes before any of us can grab him and stop him or ask what that means or ask you know, what he, what the orders are, what he wants us to do. So while this battle is raging in slow motion around him, he walks into the jaws of this kaiju, which is not dead, I think, but has been felled, and he disappears. So, I mean, I think step one is, does it work? And the kaiju stop attacking and go back out into the wild, and we're waiting for him to come back, and he doesn't come back? We'll say sure. How long are you? How long will you wait? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. And it can the even be disconnected from success or failure. Yeah, I was just picturing in terms of like, is the battle still happening? One of the cruel things about Descended from the Queen games is there can be a lot of unanswered questions after yeah. you answer that final question. My character doesn't wait long. I think once the captain is gone, there's more work to be done. There are other towns to be saved. There's more to do. And whether or not this scorpion moves or not, my character goes. I think I wait until the last other kaiju has walked away and he still hasn't come back. And I think at that point, she returns to the scorpion because there are still however many people on our crew. There are still however many things to be done to keep the scorpion moving to finish my job, which is to make sure that the people who remain have work cut out for them to defend themselves and to start their lives over again with the proper supplies and the proper instruction. I think I follow. I follow you. Because despite my dedication to the captain, my body was made for the ship. It was made to take care of the ship. And without the captain, I was the only one who would know how to keep it. So I follow. I wait. I wait until this broken earth blooms green. I would wait until it withered and died and became dust again. I wait until there is no blood left in my body, until there is no breath left in my lungs. I wait because before... I met the captain. Before that night when we danced and looked into each other's eyes, I was a dead person. The captain gave me life, and so it's fitting that I should pledge whatever I have left to the hope that he'll return and give me life again. And that's Captain My Captain, baby! What a sad movie! I loved it. Can't wait for Strike 2. 
Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with Casketland and an extremely special guest. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other great gaming shows on the One Shot Network, like our newest show, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Uh, Folks, if you're a listener to the Campaign Podcast, you might already know about Courier's Call. Courier's Call is our all-ages approach to our Skyjacks universe, which of course makes its home on the campaign feed. However, thanks to the generosity of donors at the World Builders end-of-year drive, we're giving Courier's Call its own feed. There, you'll be able to listen to Drew Merzieski as he leads Ali Grauer, Palomi Pratap, and Aaron Catano Saez on an adventure through the world of Sphere as they play young teenagers hoping to enter the Swiftwell Courier Service, a postal delivery outfit that uses skyships and giant birds. Unlike most programs on the OneShot Network, this one is appropriate for kids and the whole family. There are already four episodes, and you're going to be getting a fifth episode this week on Tuesday the 31st. So head to your favorite podcast app, search for Skyjack's Courier's Call right now, and sign up. I am so proud of this show, and I know you're going to love it. As always, we end One Shot with a call to action. And this week, heroes, I'm going to ask you to please call your representatives and ask them to pressure the executive branch into using the Defense Production Act to mass produce medical supplies to help combat the coronavirus. One of the scary things about a virus as infectious as corona is that although it has a high survivability rate, there's a very good chance it will overload hospitals. Having too many people be treated at once strains every part of the system. There aren't enough doctors. There aren't enough beds. There aren't enough necessary supplies like respirators and medical masks. Not only does that put corona patients at risk, but it puts people who are being treated for other diseases at risk as well. One way the executive branch could alleviate this problem is by invoking the Defense Production Act to direct different industries to producing the necessary goods. It's something it's something someone has been dragging their heels on for entirely too long, and it's put the population at risk. With enough public pressure, there's a chance that we can get them to do the right thing. So take some time out of your day and call your reps. Now, if you don't know where to start on that, I suggest heading over to fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you can find contact information for your representatives, along with a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. It's quick, and it can make a huge difference. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.